The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the support of New Gen Audio with Russ Hughes, Julian Rogers and Alan Salabank. Well, good evening and welcome to Production Expert Podcast number 379. It's July 23rd, 2019. I'm Russ Hughes. I'm Julian Rogers. And I'm Alan Salabank. Nugent Audio provides award-winning tools for audio analysis, mixing and mastering, used by the world's top names in music, broadcast and post-production. ISLST is Nugent's stereo true peak limiter. Whilst traditional approaches to limiting control the sample peak, this leaves room for the true peak of your audio to slip over the threshold. To avoid this problem, ISLST also limits the intersample peaks of your audio, ensuring a true brick wall solution to limiting. This means there's no longer any need to second guess the peaks of your tracks or to deliberately increase headroom to avoid a downstream problem. ISLST provides the means to fully utilise your dynamic range and avoid unexpected clipping on playback through today's digital streaming services. Inserting ISLST on your master bus eliminates the risk of distortion from downstream codec conversion with formats such as MP3 and AAC. Nugent Audio are running a special offer exclusively for Production Expert podcast listeners to get a $100 voucher that can be used on any Nugent Audio bundle. And to learn more about Nugent Audio and use the voucher, click on the link in the podcast notes or go to nugentaudio.com slash expert. So deals. Uh, Quiet Art have a special introductory price on their new Wave Rider TG, a new plugin which offers the same level riding technology as found in their class-leading Wave Rider V3, but in a simpler, easier-to-use plugin, which, unlike Wave Rider V3, is available to all as it comes in VST and AU versions, as well as AAX. Wave Rider TG offers the speed of a, using a compressor, but the control and lack of compression artifacts of using volume automation. Check out this deal to get this plugin for $59 instead of the regular price of $129. There's also some great new deals from our partners like Universal Audio, Editor's Keys, Avid and Focusrite on our deals page, and the link is in the podcast notes. Let's move on to some talking points. These are sponsored by our friends at Universal Audio. Over to you, Fab. Good morning, children. This is Fab Dupont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Radio. Build your own custom bundle of any 3, 6 or 10 UAD plugins for one low price and save over 60%. Just pick your bundle option and then select your plugins instantly. Check out the link in this week's podcast notes. So talking point one tonight is about control surfaces. Uh, because we've not had anything news on those this week at all, guys, have we? <laughs> yeah. uh, some nice surprises from Avid. Uh, felt like a bit of an Avid renaissance this week, looking at all the news items. It was it was really good to see. So it's not specifically about that. We will talk about that and perhaps talk about some of these announcements this week, because some of them are, are quite exciting and are sort of extending Avid beyond Pro Tools as well, if, if, if you see what they're, they're trying to do, particularly with the, the little S1. Anyway, guys, uh, what we really want to talk about really was sort of uh, control surfaces, and I think uh, what what are your current options? And I'll talk about mine. And uh, Julian, I might start with you because you don't use one. I don't. No, I don't at the moment. I'm, I think that's a case of I've been I've been spoilt in the past, and anything that I could stomach buying would leave me dissatisfied because basically I want something. I want I, I'd want something that was better than something that I'd, I'd be prepared to pay for. Got you. Got you. So, so it, it, if that was the case, I'd never buy a car, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think you've seen my car, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but, 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 but tell us what you used to use then, which is what you're you're kind of missing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I used to use I used to use uh, icons. So uh, so 
uh, decontrol, which I love the decontrol. Absolutely brilliant thing. And it's still a real, I mean, it's, it's old now. I don't know how old it is. It's probably 15 years old now, possibly. About, I'm guessing. Oh, uh, yeah. And, yeah, I'm probably not. Yeah, possibly knocking on for twenty years. But, so yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, for 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 stereo, it's still a perfectly viable, perfectly viable thing. The thing I love about the the D control was um, was just the build quality. It was such a lump. It really was. It was so solid, and um, yeah, fantastic thing. I always I always wanted it to give a little more visual feedback and it's a little bit too old to do that and that that's where the more modern solutions really you know really communicate you did need to look at the screen to really figure out what was going on now not all the time but some of the time but with with modern stuff now i don't think you need to actually if you want to just go completely just ignore the screen and just get on with it you're fine uh but yeah fantastic things and I just yeah I I had to go on I don't know an artist mix and I went nah this it's it's not going to work for me unfortunately um, the dock however I had a dock Alan you got a dock haven't you yeah and the dock I it took me a little while to get just because uh, I, I had it on its own I didn't have it with something with faders on it but even on its own it's a really useful thing once you you understand it and understand what it is and what it's for and how it how it relates to the 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 dock um i mean to the app just because i felt i don't know if you if you ever got this when you first started on it but i felt like if i was using the app i wasn't using the dock but they're part of the same thing and it's it's a false distinction to draw <laughs> yeah i mean um the dock's fairly useless well i wouldn't say it's useless but it's it's seriously compromised without the app so um yeah it's it's a very useful extension of the app, I find. Yeah, but I found I, if I, I, I was yeah. looking for a, a way of doing what I was doing in the, in the app on the dock, that's what I mean. But they're part of the same system. That's that's all I mean. So like doing th- yeah, something yeah. like a track selector, you, you can't do it off the dock. You use the app for it. It's what it's for. Isn't that the whole point, though? That it is. It, it is. They're both. One hundred percent. They're supposed to be used together. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's just it's just because I already had the app, and then I got the dock, and I went, well, I want to use this instead. And that's not the way to approach it. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're two halves of a whole, aren't they, exactly, really, the dock exactly. and the, and the yeah. iPad? Yeah, Can I just definitely. ask Julian then, was it that the icon was kind of like a real desk? Was it that kind of – because everything in the more recently – let's set aside for a moment things like the S6, but generally they're much, they're, they've got much smaller footprints. They feel quite Mickey Mouse, don't they, compared to an icon? or do you, Like it was a proper board. I mean, st- was, it, was, it, was it that that kind of you miss the whole kind of sitting behind a big desk or, or what? No, no, it wasn't. I mean, something that was a huge bonus for me uh, was that uh, was that it had the keyboard built in. That was fantastic. The trackball we won't talk about. That's just no, a- I hate trackballs. <laughs> I think I think they're from hell. I think but, that's where they deserve to go. But having the keyboard to. because the thing with uh, say using a, a D command, which I've used a lot as well, you know, and I mean. If you're using a D command and you've got it at least reasonably close to you and in front of you, then you're also going to have a, a some kind of QWERTY keyboard punching you in the stomach at the same time because you, you kind of need both. But with it integrated, I loved that. That was fantastic. But the thing about it was, I mean, the the D, the D control that I used to use was was only 16 fader, whereas the D command that I used to use was 24 fader, and it's but. I found that I, you know, if you're using it properly, you don't need many faders. I used to wonder at these kind of like really huge um, uh, 32 fader 
plus decontrols just thinking actually you don't if you're using it properly you don't need that many faders unless you're doing i mean obviously you're doing some dual operator or something a whole different ball game but if you're using custom fader layers properly if you're using vca and vca spill then you don't need to go to the fader you just bring the fader to you and um, i'm sure there are cases where you do need more than 16 faders but i found i never really got there i'd have more than 16 16 faders worth of stuff but 90% 90% of the time I could get where I needed to go really, really quickly. I, 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 like, the, I like the way it works. I, I, I loved the way that, I mean, it's no no longer the case really, but at the time, uh, the the centre section and the, and the EQ and dynamics sections matched the UI of the, uh, of the uh, EQ and dynamics plugins in Pro Tools, which is where they I spent most of well, my time. They still work well with things like FabFilter. Definitely well, what I was going well to what I was going to say was, um, uh, I was thinking about channel strip, which that kind of broke that a bit. But uh, but the I I, I bought uh, what was it channel G with DSP channel G just because it followed that same convention and that same layout and it worked so nicely on an icon. It, it, it was great. Which it's it's easier to change a plugin UI than it is to change the <laughs> center section of your of your controller. So that's kind of where I'm going. But I'm badly, badly out of out of out of the loop with the modern generation of uh, of like S6, S3 stuff like that. I've spent no time with them. I mean, I've seen them at shows, and I, you know, I've physically seen them, but I've never done any work on them, which is a terrible gap that I need to address. But yeah, it just hasn't really come up. So because of that, apart from the dock. I haven't really gone there on this current crop of Yukon surfaces. I wonder, and Al, you can speak to this partly as well. I think the bigger boards, if you have attended sessions in, let's say, a Soho post house, the big the client, there's kind of a sense that the client is wants to walk in and see something that's impressive. And when I had a, when I was at Berwick Post, we had a big room with uh, a big board in it and stuff. And I can I can imagine a client walking into you with it with an avid artist mix on the desk thinking, well, okay, right, where's the real gear? Perhaps they don't feel like that. I don't know. But I know that some post houses want to really put on a show when a client arrives for an attended session. And, and perhaps, perhaps that's was- what kind of informed those kind of purchasing decisions in the past. I don't know. It certainly was. There was a certain um, amount of needing to physically demonstrate where the money's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> not only to the clients, but also to investors. Yeah, of um, course. To say, you know, we got this big bunch, you know, lump of solid, you know, state-of-the-art electronics helping us generate revenue for you. Um, and uh, it's th- there wasn't, you know, so much thought for um, – ergonomics uh, and such for the people having to operate them. So the downside of having, um, say, like the Sony Theatre's 96 fader uh, console is that you need four people to operate it mm. um, sensibly. And, and chairs with rollers. <clears throat> oh, absolutely, yeah, and handles on the on the dent, on, on the bench, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, – and it's un- it becomes a bit silly when you hear stories like people going to – Luke Besson's place in Normandy, which has had this huge five operator um, uh, series five euphonics, and uh, he went and attended a mix there, and the and the two re-recording mixers spent all the time at each end of the desk with their mice and keyboard. Um, so it's it's starting to turn a bit. I think. I mean, in terms of quota of 
flashing lights and you know uh, client wow factor, I have to say, four S ones and a dock, uh, each with a, an iPad app or you know uh, whichever app on top of them, um, that will be quite a visual impact. Um, it won't necessarily be the sort of the exclusive technology rush that you get from a you know purpose built console because you are using some domestic objects in that mix, but I think that would have a, a great wow factor for a client walking in. Um, to be honest, a lot of them are now more obsessed with you know the picture quality and playback in in, in post. So, or trying to get it for free. It, uh, <laughs> well, that's a given. So, I mean, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Uh, the uh, and, and less attended, of course, Alan. As well, lots more of us are working from either homes or sheds or or, or attics and stuff, or purpose built rooms at home, and so. Lots of us, are, lots of us are doing less. I, I hardly see clients day well, in day out. Yeah, I mean the thing is though, that there's are there are situations, I mean, which I've come across, which are fairly unique to my situation, where um, uh, we were doing the foreign versions for Finding Dory, and there's a sequence in that, a 45 second long sequence of a whole school of rays on their migration. Uh, passing over the heads of Dory and Co. And they're singing their migration anthem. And that was made up of 180 separate vocal parts for each language version. Um, And so you need a big fader space to be able to go through and start making some sense of the relative balance of all those of all those layers. And that's where you really need uh, things like um, VCA masters, VCA spill, um, layouts, uh, and such like that. I know you can do custom faders on the on the um, on the icon desks, but it was never as um, sort of intuitive as, in my opinion, as the setup that's now on Yukon. But uh, yeah, you just need to be able to get to things quickly, and that's what I really love about the app on the dock is that it's just un- really, really fast access. You can get around a big track count really, really quickly. And the same as the set- with the center section in the S4 and S6 as well. Um, definitely, it, that, that's the thing I, yeah, I think the S4 coming in is is their new D command basically. Um, and I think that's great because I've spent most of my time even on a D control at the AFU panel. Uh, because generally that was in the sweet spot. So, um, yeah, th- there's times and calls for neat, for a lot of faders. Um, I would say, personally, my maximum manageable amount is 32. Um, if I was mixing a drama, I would say my minimum is 16. So, um, because it's just handy to be able to get your various fingers and, and everything to that, to just to physical controls. Um, and that's what, you know, with, that's the only thing I actually miss about my artist mix is it hasn't got a channel strip above it. So, um, is that, yeah, that's, that's the, the where I'm at and that's how I feel it, it works in post-production. Um, it's really, really awkward doing everything on a mouse on, in post-production. It's just sort of nigh on impossible to do anything with any, uh, with any, um, style basically. I think it's, it, it makes things very, uh, rough. I feel, but and uh, yeah, I, and I definitely think that for uh, I, I think 
the app on itself is brilliant, but um, I, again, I, I really do prefer a, a moving fader under my fingers as well. So that's just a personal preference, but I know that people who are 10 years younger than me and such and never come up with, you know, have, have been most of their life on mice, um, feel a lot differently. So uh, it's horses for courses, I suppose. But I don't think you'd ever go into Abbey Road to find a, uh, you know, a single uh, S1 and a dock. I don't think that would ever happen, do you? Uh, no, I don't think that's going to happen. No, and that's the whole point. People, there's a, uh, uh, a, a I think just a, just a wow factor for some big studios that that, that you can't get away from, and that, that's a fact of life. And mm. uh, uh, in the case of Abbey Road as well, is generally it's going to be big Neves, and so there's more to it than just a control surface. I don't think there's an S six in Abbey Road. Uh, I think all the main the main the tracking the orchestral studio studio three uh, or studio two is. Studio One, sorry. Get my numbers right here. The new it's, room's think, got an S6. Yeah, the new room's got an S6. Yeah, yeah. But that's for Atmos, though, isn't it? For Atmos yeah, mixes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a mixing room, really, isn't it? Rather than a tracking room. Absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so that makes sense. Uh, but yeah. So, Al, what are you on now? Are you, you're, you're just a dock and an iPad, or do you also have an S3 attached to it as well? No, I've got uh, two artist mixes at the moment. Uh, which I bought recently, actually. So you would you would probably think I was a little knocked at uh, the S ones coming out, but I'm not really, to be honest, because um, the 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 artist mixes do what I need them to do, which is give me physical faders under my fingers at both sides of the dock um, and allow me to keep it within within ergonomic space of the mix position. So and and the dock fulfills the having physical channel strips to be able to to be able to grab and. Um, I found you know, last year when I was going between my room and a room with a D command that I was much faster around the tracks with the, um, the Yukon dock and the mixes rather than the rather than the D command. I, I just found myself getting properly into the Yukon workflow. But then again, I mean, I did that about five years ago. I bought an artist control, which I mean, physically, mechanically, reliably, reliability-wise, bit of a dog. Yeah, but. It was, it actually, it served very, very well. I mixed countless hours of TV, hundreds of trailers, a couple of feature films on it. Um, and I happen to know that, you know, various uh, BAFTA and uh, such uh, award-winning mixers have mixed many a primetime uh, multi-award-winning show on using just an, an artist control. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a very, very capable piece of kit. It's only limited by what you want to do with it I, and i think that's uh it's a great demonstration of you know, it doesn't really matter how many faders you you have it's how you organize your session it's how you discipline yourself it's how you use the the tools that you've got to hand so uh things like the vca spill layouts and such like that they really help with the organization of your session and actually helps you put it put your session in a uh, logical place. So rather than having various different elements scattered around the track layout, you actually organise your tracks. So having a, a, a certain amount of physical faders really actually helps bring order to your mix. It's a yes. really handy uh, mental exercise to to get on top of at the beginning of a mix. I think. I think that I think that's a good point to make. It's a bit like when I got hot when I got a computer that had a smaller hard drive. I had to learn disciplines about storage medium and staying on top of cleaning my hard drive and filing properly. And it's the same. I use a fader port eight and a bit like you, Al, I, 
when the 16 came out, people said, oh, aren't you? There was a lot of grumpy people who said, oh, I wish I'd known it was 16. And I don't miss that because I mm. kind of work in, in, in sections. So the kit will be, I'll do eight, I'll mix the kit and that'll be eight things. And then I'll move mm-hmm. on to something else and that'll be something else. And that'll be in a different folder and different section, or I'll put it on a VCA group. So at the end, you can mix an entire album just with eight faders if you're working on either buses or VCA groups. So, so you kind of work in that process, don't you? you kind of subdivide your tracks up and you work in those sections. And then at the end, you then whittle them down to sometimes just eight faders for the final mix as you're, as you're controlling the VCAs. And then you can always bank quickly. So the great thing about the Fader Port 8 is a very similar probably, I think, to to the way they, they all work the same, I think, these things, don't they? Depending, irrelevant of what badge it has on it, is that you can then bank across to, a, to, to different banks of it. And uh, it's got the OLED readouts as well, so you can still see where you're going and stuff like that. I like it as well because it's got Huey and it's got uh, native Studio One support and it's also got... Uh, Mackie as well so I, I it works so if I'm in Pro Tools it's still it's still a useful piece of kit so an interesting thing about the news this week was that they're pushing the thought that Yukon can be used with the DAWs it's always kind of been although it was already available they're kind of Yukon's been almost a Pro Tools island in most cases, hasn't it, Julian? Well, definitely what kind people of think of it as, yeah. I mean, Yukon is Pro Tools and I think that's because Yukon is I mean, Pro Tools is only Yukon but it doesn't work the other way around, does it? Yukon isn't only Pro Tools, but Pro Tools is only Yukon, and and a bit of Huey, I suppose. But um, but the choices are fewer. I haven't spoken to anyone who's using Yukon for anything other than Pro Tools, but I think that's probably a little bit self fulfilling because I talk to people about Pro Tools, so you know what I mean. If you ask the wrong question, you won't get the answer you're looking for. But certainly, I mean, uh, the choices out there. Um, uh, the main thing I've kind of seen it's uh, seen is is yeah, within Avid kind of association kind of thing because Media Composer uh, you can do stuff with and I haven't used Media Composer in a very long time, but uh, I know kind of uh, certain aspects of that have certainly would lend themselves to that stuff a lot more. Um, this I remember a long time ago kind of seeing this. Hey, one minute you can be in Cubase, next you can be in Pro Tools. And I'm thinking, what are you doing to be? Swapping between these tools that all do effectively the same job and roughly as roughly as well as each other, to be honest. So, uh, but definitely but setting I, that aside, Yukon is in a, in the sense the big push on Yukon has always been its resolution, isn't it? That it's in terms of two things: one, its resolution; secondly, its mapping. You talked about G channel G earlier, and the resol- most uh, non Yukon control services are working at a kind of MIDI spec almost. So that's been kind of hacked to some extent. Be- by people doing what well, do they call it double precision is it but they use that basically they they use uh, 127 times 127 that's certainly how the uh things like SSL they they use that so that they can kind of double the precision up i'm not quite sure um whether that's being used for anything other than other than faders i've certainly not seen it on anything other than faders but yeah absolutely no there's way more is it, is it 1024 um off the top of my head that sounds that sounds right, but what, certainly the Yukon spec, yeah. Whereas, yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. some specs are just want like I think Huey is one two seven, isn't it? Uh, and that's the resolution you've got when you when you use like fades and stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the the place that really makes itself apparent is uh, when you're doing something like uh, EQ frequency, and you can't really do that accurately using uh, using uh, using MIDI. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the thing that is, I mean, I I said earlier I haven't really used Yukon, but I mean, of course I have because I've used it with the um, with the app, 
and just having such deep control over Pro Tools is 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 brilliant and kind of bewildering at the same time, to be honest, just because uh, if you can think of it, you can pretty much do it. Um, so because of that, I mean, I don't know how far through the pages you've gone uh, on the uh, uh, all the, all of the uh, all of the buttons in the in the app, but yeah, you can you can get control via the app of things that it, I certainly I can't imagine needing ready access to that regularly. It, it's pretty much unlimited and because you can bring those things together into your custom pages. You can do whatever you want. Being able to translate that onto hardware. Absolutely. If if you need to do it, you can probably do it, whatever it is in Yukon. So yeah, that kind of deep integration is something that I'm very unused to because we've been trying to kind of squeeze a, whatever the expression is, caught into a pint pot or whatever, trying to do stuff with combinations of uh, MIDI controllers for the bits of Pro Tools that'll talk MIDI and, and Huey and lots of aging and less flexible ways of doing stuff. So just being able to break out of that with Yukon is fantastic. Something that I wanted to pick up on though is uh, is just the 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 look of the S4 particularly. And I haven't seen one in the flesh. I mean none of us have yet, but uh, it looks very convincing. The construction methods kind of different. Uh, and because of that it's uh, it's 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 dropped that kind of modular approach which while it was really flexible did mean that the S6 had to be built in a certain way. And the thing that I saw a while ago that made me go, ooh, that does look nice, is the new S6L surfaces. Um, because, I mean, the S6L have been out for a while, but they brought out some smaller ones. And right now I'm just looking at a picture of an S6L 24C, which is the one without yeah. the kind of display screens. Yeah. And looking at that and just thinking, that is a great-looking piece of hardware. And then looking back onto the uh, S4 and thinking, and it's really not a million miles away from that, is it? It's got well. I, I, in fact, I prefer the S4 because actually, you've, you've, they've kind of they've put the screen to one side on the on the. Perhaps it's the same thing, but it's not a million miles away. But I kind of think uh, there's something. Perhaps it's just the OCD in me that I'd want to have everything in the centre and put, build faders around that. But I can see why some people would like all the faders on one side. But they, oh, they I see what of... you mean having the uh, having the offset centre section. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think I mean, there was some talk about that when the first S6s came out, wasn't there? Well, I mean, this is this is one that uh, that I certainly did uh, just because um, when I when I f- built um, the the D command when we bought that years and years ago, um, and of course you've got the eight fader module and you've got the center sectiony bit and then you've and then you've got the fader pack and you've, and just straight away I put it so it had twenty four faders together with the center section on the on the right which just seemed like the natural way to do it when I first walked up to the thing. And I changed my mind a few years later and swapped it over so that you had eight faders, then the centre section, then 16 faders over onto the right of that, just because, for me, it worked better because I knew that way of working much better because basically you could have the... Instead of having 24 faders, you had eight faders and 24 faders and they could be doing different things. So, for example, you could have your VCA Masters... Stuck to a uh, stuck in a custom fader layer over on the over on the right hand side and have uh, have all of the uh, constituent parts you were spilling out over on the left and that that really worked in my way of thinking. Um, it's so yeah. with these new products, would an S would an S one be enough to tempt you back onto a control surface? <sighs> or is it still I'm, too small? No, no, it's not. Um, uh, eight faders, if you use them properly, absolutely. Um, and it's it's the whole thing about um, just being able to balance things up because it's 
it's not a matter of of turning turning the quiet thing up or turning the the loud thing down. Um, it's it's usually a combination of the two. Things kind of meet in a happy medium, and being able to control two things at once is the bare minimum. I mean, to be honest, I'd be I would use a two a two fader control surface. I actually would just because you can probably get it to do what you want. <laughs> Just with two. Well, that, that really That's... highlights that the fader port, the original fader port was massively successful. And it was one fader. One fader's fine, but two is way more more useful to me than, than one. Something that something that I, I sometimes do in Two sessions. for what reason? Two that one is the master fader and one is the, the track that you switch between or what? Or two a, good is ex- good example, good example might be um, uh, something, that, something that I'll sometimes do. Uh, not always, actually, but I have done this in the past. Is I've had uh, is I've had a band VCA, and then a, a vocals VCA, just so that I can just level the two up against each other. Do you see what I mean? So everything. I mean, sometimes I've got, uh, there can be variations of these, and they can be quite sort of like tree-like in their structure because you might have kind of you know, a rhythm section, and you might have guitars, and then you might have and all these things joining up. But ultimately, they all lead to the same point, and then meet up with the vocals. In a VCA point, I'm not talking about audio signal flow here. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Just so, so you're kind of balancing against you're, you're balancing against things all the time. Yeah, yeah, but being able to grab two things and then balance them to it is way more helpful to my way of thinking than just being able to grab one thing and either pull it up or down relative to itself. And I mean, they're kind of the same thing, but in my head, they're really not. So yeah, eight faders I could absolutely live with. Um, the thing that because I, I always struggle visualizing the 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 size of things from pictures, because that's all, all I've seen so far. I haven't actually seen any video of the S1 yet. I know there is some out there. Um, but I only figured it out when I, I saw the picture of the S1 next to the dock that that's a big iPad on the S1, which suddenly made me realise that it's bigger than I realised. Uh, because uh, it's, I mean, that must be an iPad Pro or something that, uh, that's on there. Um, it looks really tempting, the idea of one of the, I mean, the idea of two of those with a dock and iPads all round would be a fantastic way to control stuff. It'd also be getting quite expensive, actually, by at, at, at that stage, just because these are what the eleven hundred ish was the figure I seem to recall, um, plus iPads <laughs> uh, and a dock, and then you know already it's 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 up into you know it's, it's not serious money, but it's not insignificant. It's it's not a it's not an impulse buy. But it would be extremely good, and I really like the fact that they've they've thought it through and they have kind of um, future proofed the design against future iterations of the iPad. And I mean, and, and other tablets are available because it's I mean. using Wi-Fi, isn't it, rather than using a connector and and the physical size as well. Just because I mean, while if if the if the if iPads grow to be wider in landscape than the uh, than the S one, that's that's not ideal. But at least you'd still be able to use it. Whereas, uh, good luck putting putting a significantly larger iPad into a dock, for example. So, yeah. But then again, the first iterations of these kind of things. I mean, that I think I, of peripherals, especially using using things like iPads, uh, had thirty pin connectors on them, which really isn't a good way to go. Yeah, so, which they've know. thankfully they've managed to move away from that now. <laughs> so, future proofing the S one by using it as over Wi Fi than connectors is a smart move. Mm. And more and more are doing that. I know that uh, the new 32 channel, the new uh, studio lives from PreSonus, they're all, they all use. It's a smart move, isn't it, to use iPads as extensions to, uh, to, to control surfaces, to give you the visual feedback side mm. of it, because it, it keeps the cost of a control surface down. 
uh, and then you can choose uh, the iPad to run it with. I think and Android as well. I think you can use Android devices on lots and, of things. And that's too, definitely a case for, I mean, I'm... I'm well, certainly, I'm, with things like V-Control, um, you can use anything that's uh, got a touchscreen or even anything that's got a, a browser. So um, basically, oh, really? that, that's that, great then. Yeah, so V-Control ports its controls over basically um, IP, over as a web page. Um, so then you can you could pick it up on a Windows tablet or uh, any iPad, Android, anything like that. Um, but uh, listeners may have noticed that I've been rather quiet the last few minutes. Um, I had a massive internet outage which took out my network and also um, basically disconnected my uh, iLock, which is connected over my network to my server, uh, which then locked out Pro Tools. And... This, well, may not seem, this may not seem relevant, but it is, because I had my dock booted up and my Pro Tools control booted up and connected, and it was still connected over the tech network, which I have separate to my domestic uh, network, as it were, the outside world network. I was able to hit save on the dock, and it saved the session. Well, that's good. That's Even good. though it was in record, I managed to hit stop and save. So even though the actual user interface Pro Tools was completely locked out, I could still save it and recover the project, which That's is great. fantastic, which is a great great thing for having a hardware button that actually just connects straight to the heart of the DAW and says, do that. Um, so, yeah, I think I've just uh, made a good case for that, uh, and for a having a hardware surface. Quick mention, we did an article, I think, about eight weeks ago, which was about what happens when you when you have a massive failure. And we did the tests. So mm. perhaps Julian will put those in the notes again this week about should Pro Tools crash or should Studio One crash or Logic crash. We did the tests and said where to find your files should you not have what Alan had, which was a save button. Uh, the good news is for most DAWs is it, it, there is it's right into the hard drive. So normally, even if it's had a corrupted file name, you can recover the audio component of a session, uh, which is good news. Anyway, we'd moved on to S1, Al, because uh, mm. and, and the other new boards while you were you busy making a cup of tea with this terrible excuse <laughs> that you'd crashed your computer. <laughs> uh, and uh, just just saying, it's it, it's a, it's a, it's a really handy little board, uh, and it's it's, a, it's the first thing like that since the Artist series, isn't it? Really. Well, absolutely, and and I think um, what uh, the what well, I think uh, the artist series, the artist mix, made a very good foundation for that board because it brought in the um, extended uh, meter bridge displays and such like that, and the assignability of the upper knobs and such like that. So um, that made it really sort of stand out from. Um, the other surfaces, uh, you know, DigiNet surfaces, so I'm talking C24 and the icons and such like that, because you couldn't get, as Julian referred to earlier, the, the, the amount of visual feedback. But even on my artist mix, I can get 7.1 metering. I can get good display of the pan pots and such like that. Um, and, it, you know, it's very easy to read as well. So um, I think, no, it's a really, really good move. Um and, and definitely in terms of um, not maybe cutting the cord so much from Pro Tools as such, but yeah, I mean, uh, this has been a long underplayed aspect of Yukon. It originally came from another console manufacturer. Indeed, the Yukon consoles, the Artist Mix, Artist Control and all that lot, actually didn't work that well with Pro Tools because they were having to communicate over Huey 
mm. before they were uh, you know bought by Avid. So um, I think you know it, it's definitely anything that's now Yukon based. I think is the future definitely. Um, mainly because of the hardware that's on there. It may not look like a lot of hardware, but it actually is very important because it communicates an awful lot of information back to the user, which is really, really handy in terms of post. Yeah, I was going to say, is it because we were talking, I think when you when you went off to to the gym while we were busy talking <laughs> on the podcast, we, uh, we talk about resolution. Well, that's one of the key things, isn't it, especially in mm. post, because MIDI sometimes doesn't have the resolution for like hit points and... Uh, I think resolution is MIDI accurate in some some control services. Where in, in Pro Tools, is it sample accurate in Yukon or is it frame accurate? <sighs> good it's, question. It's um, probably even if it's frame accurate, it's good news. But if it's sample accurate, it's super good news because obviously uh, one of the challenges when you use something like Final Cut is you can't get uh, the audio in, in Final Cut only moves around at frame or slight subframe, and, and sometimes you need sample accurate movements to be able to get stuff to hit properly. Oh yeah, uh, certainly in terms of in terms of that. I mean, it's also the difference between if you are, um, say, you know, trying to control um, your your fader levels using a mouse. That is also a sort of a, a, an equivalent comparison of resolution. It's much much harder to get a smooth fade and a very sort of subtle uh, level change when you're controlling the faders with a mouse. So. There's a good paper from Avid actually on Yukon that's well worth having a look at. A PDF you can download about about all the resolution and stuff like that and and why it's uh, considered to be a superior format in terms of of, of 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 what it does in terms of feedback and resolution. Uh, okay, yes, do the competition, Julian, then we'll chat about something else for five minutes. <laughs> uh, over the month of July 2019, we've got two special competitions you don't want to miss out on. Enter to win one of 10 free six-month studio plan subscriptions of Bounce Boss worth £54. Bounce Boss reinvents online audio collaboration. We've tested it. We love it. We recommend it for seamless audio collaboration. There's nothing that comes close to Bounce Boss. Check out our review in the win article. Or enter to win one of three Fusion IR-based convolution reverbs by our friends at Liquid Sonics. Win either 7th Heaven or 7th Heaven Professional, both being faithful recreations of the legendary Bricasti reverb, or lustrous plates. Liquid Sonic's latest plate reverb. These are serious reverbs for serious audio engineers. To begin with a chance of winning either of these competitions, do follow the link in the podcast notes. Julian, just just before we jump into this, you, you you've been playing with the with the M7, haven't you? The, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about that later on. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. To, sorry to preempt that. Uh, but preactive. So. Pre- uh, it preemptive interactive credits are coming to Tidal. As people know, I've been a massive fan of Tidal for two or three years now, and I ditched Apple Music because a it was a it was a visual car crash, and b it was just becoming so hard to use it. And I went to Tidal, but one of the reasons I went to Tidal was that was it it was giving credits, and I think it's so essential in a digital age that we we manage to maintain credits where they're due. Uh, on on singles tracks, films and stuff like that, and that's one of then about you, but guys. But when I'm using watching any movie, I'm so at some point during that movie, I'll be in IMDb about where where were they last, or who did the music for this, or whatever. And so, for the music community, it's it it's so uh, so good that so Julian, you wrote this article. I haven't sort of gone into deep. So basically, they're kind of taking an IMD approach, aren't they? You can actually is this kind of a, a crowdsourcing of credits? Is it? Um, I think the important thing that sort of like the the community, if you like, are involved in is uh, is picking up on on errors 
just because uh, there's uh, there's I, mean, I assume it's probably going to be people checking them checking their own credits, frankly, and and making sure that they're correct. But the thing I like about it is um, I, I started off just thinking, hey, yeah, it's a bit like when you used to look at the back of uh, on sleeve notes and see who did who did various things. And I thought for a minute, I thought, no, it's nothing like that at all. Just because. Um, it's it's all it's all linked out to everything else, so you can check out what what other what other things people have been on so easily, and it put me in mind of IMDb, um, just because that seems pretty important to people in the uh, in the post and film in the and film world, stuff yeah, like that community, definitely. TV world, yeah, um, and uh, and it's I'm not aware of of, of anything. The works quite like that for for music. Actually, I mean, if I want to find out um, what else someone's done, I tend to I tend to just Google them, and I'll probably end up on Wikipedia mm. or something. And I mean, Wikipedia, well, great as it is, it's it's not it's not de facto, you know, ideal needed, first yes. call place for uh, for for good information. So yeah, absolutely. Something else I really like is and why I use I use Nile Rogers for the um, uh, for the example in that just because I thought uh, he was a good example because he's he's worn all the hats. Oh, so, no, the, yeah, I, I found out that his his credits run into the I don't mean credits, but hmm. his his involvement on albums over the last thirty years terms of sales is in the billions it's insane so that was a good one to start with yeah yeah i mean uh, I th- he should stick at it because you know i mean it's <laughs> yeah it seems to be it seems to be quite good tell you what tell you what would be nice imd style imdb style and you've got things like uh, discogs and stuff that do that for music but on title so i've just put alan into imdb and then i can find out what alan's done in a sense the title thing still doesn't do that you can't there's not a search bar where you can put like like I don't know, like uh, Nile Rogers, and then he, is there? That, that, then it will tell you all the stuff he's that's on 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 title that he's been on. Um, well, I mean, I I went to I went to Nile Rogers. I didn't search Chic or something. I went to Nile Rogers and thought, okay, um, uh, because I was just thinking, oh, uh, if I didn't already know that he did, I don't know, uh, work with Bowie or. Duran Duran or Madonna or all of those things. How would I? Is this going to tell me that? And yes, of course, it did straight away. You know, and a lot more besides. But yeah, I like the way you can filter the results. This is this was my kind of big takeaway from it. Was just kind of like, yeah, sure. Someone like Noel is a songwriter. He's a musician. He's a producer. He he wears various hats. And and he, I can he check plays him out. guitar at times, doesn't he? <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> occasionally, yes. I mean, I think he's made a lot of money out of a jangly Fender, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but the I, it, the only thing I I I would urge some um, uh, caution with this, especially with the crowdsourcing of um, data, because IMDb has been taken as gospel by producers and people looking for talent to hire. Uh, so if if the what you claim to have worked on isn't on your IMDb listing then you absolutely have not touched it and you're lying through your teeth claiming that you've worked on it. Um, and, I mean, I had one, oh, this is like 15 years ago now, where it was starting to take off and people were starting to refer to it. And the, one of my uh, production coordinators at the company I was working for rang me up and said, your CV says you worked on this. Uh, they can't find it on IMDb. And I said, okay, tell them, hang on, give me five minutes. Tell them to hit refresh. <laughs> and yeah. it's a bit like wikipedia it was, isn't it exactly so this is the thing so you didn't um, work on psycho for hitchcock then al i've got you down on working on the sound on the Psycho. yeah movie. well that's the other and thing Jaws. is also you can't control submissions made on your behalf 
Mm. So uh, there are a couple of credits amongst the, mm. the, the my list there that I really well I don't remember doing to be yeah thanks mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just checking this now. I d- um, it's, it's he didn't work on Crossroads either. It's it's it's, it's not it's not explicitly laid out on uh, in untitled stuff, but I, I think they generate the credits and then they have a mechanism if it's if it's oh, incorrect. Uh, yeah, they have a if you if interesting report, thing is you can report that, stuff, yeah, can't yeah. you? This metadata, this level of metadata, has been available for quite some time. Oh, because, it has, um, definitely, yeah. Because uh, when I've, I've recently, uh, I've been re-ripping my uh, CD collection, and I use a uh, tool called PowerAmp, um, which is available on both Windows and Mac. And what that does is when, it, when you load a CD in, it goes off and looks for the metadata, but from four different sources. And then it compares it, and it has she has uh, reliability ratings that it compare against, and it can show you how reliable the result is from each four of the sources. And so you can actually can you can actually choose which metadata for which category you take to add to your MP3 or WAV even RIP. So um, I found that to be really reliable, and and the the great part about that is is when I now play those MP3s on my phone. The player I use on that, um, also called PowerAmp, but not by the same people, um, it can allows you to link and cross-reference and cross-search and search through the tracks by the metadata as well. Oh, cool. So I think it's um, it's all it all depends on what software you use mm. to generate your similar stuff. That's much more hands-on files. though because you've done that. Yeah. The thing I like about this isn't what it's doing; it's where it's putting it. Just because it's putting it mm. where the music's consumed. And that's yeah. the right place for that stuff to be, in the same way as sleeve notes, you know. I mean, so I, I, yeah, on Windows Explorer, I can punch up my music library and I can add to the columns. So I can add all the various details, the authors, the various tags, and everything like that on all the MP3s there. Uh, and actually, also on WAVs as well, um, you can actually store ID3 tags on WAVs as well. What was that awful thing that they used to have on iTunes in the early days? That used to go off and check a CD in for the for the names, yeah, and the tracks, yeah, because yeah, that yeah. was Grace awful. Grace used note. To- so that was Grace Notes. It was so inaccurate. You'd like you'd put like the Stiff Little Fingers album in, and it'd come up as, that it was a talking book from Disney, and stuff like that. And it, it used to be insane. Sometimes it used to be so inaccurate. It was it was scary. So, but this thing you use, Al, does several. It, it's it's kind of using an aggregated system, so it makes sure it isn't wrong. Absolutely, and it also gives you the chance to uh, change it as well. Um, can you miss? Can you report if it's if it tells you that Stiff Little Fingers are Disney? Yes, yeah, <laughs> the little mermaid. <laughs> yeah, you can you can submit back to you know, corrections and such like that. But um, I, I have tried it a couple of times, but it's almost as reliable as putting a, a, a correction into Google Maps. I mean, you know, for example, uh, where we live, uh, Google Maps reckons it's around the corner. So <laughs> yeah, we're we're forever getting deliveries going to the house around the corner, thinking it's us. But you could try and get an update to that, no chance. Um, they've, got to send, they've got to send the spy car around, haven't they? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't. I don't have any problem with uh, the these you know, sharing this metadata, but it has to be uh, correct. And because I mean, at the end of the day, IMDb is an advertising tool for Amazon. Did not know that. Is it owned by Amazon then? Yeah. Oh. I, oh. Right. Okay. I did not know that. So that's that's another reason. Also, this is another thing that. I am uh, title are picking up on is that if they ease the 
your ability to cross-reference and find other stuff, the equivalent of going into a really good record shop and saying, I love the guitar on this track. Have you got anything else but that claims to be composed by the guy who played the jangly guitar on, on you know, Freak? Um, what have you? And, yeah, you know, that's your sort of, yeah. So that's your equivalent now of going into a really good record shop who actually knows his entire catalogue. Um, and I think that's brilliant because you are opening up the seven degrees of separation in all music that there is um, and opening up new worlds to people who might want to explore. Yeah. But, yeah, of course, nobody does this for free. So this does help, obviously, Tidal uh, draw in more custom. So, yeah, they're, 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 there's, there are pros and cons. And also then they can build profiles on, on your likes and, and what have you. And as we've been hearing in the media and yeah, recently, personal data is big, big money nowadays. So, yeah, there's always a reason behind trying to work out what people like. But, um, yeah. yeah, if it helps yeah. people discover new music, then that's, that's all the good, in, in my opinion. Right then, let's uh, tell everybody why we don't use Skype, huh? <laughs> Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you have ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser with no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Let's move on to Find of the Week. These are sponsored by our friends at RSP Audio Solutions. RSP Audio carries every great audio interface on the market from brands like Universal Audio, Focusrite, Apogee, Avid, Burl, Antelope, RME and more. Not sure which interface to buy? RSP's team can help you find the perfect interface to fit your workflow and your budget. Shop online using the link in the podcast notes this week. Julian, I, I kind of did a preemptive strike earlier, but, I'm, but I managed to shut up. So, Julian, sh- shock us now with what you, what your find of the week is. My find of the week is is Seventh Heaven from Liquid Sonics, which, uh, um, yeah, I've, I've been trying it out this week, and I love it. I think it is brilliant. Specifically, I'm talking about Liquid Sonics Seventh Heaven, not Liquid Sonics Seventh Heaven Professional, um, just because I think he's absolutely nailed it with uh, with the interface. Um, it sounds fantastic. There's more choice, far, far more choice actually in, in professional. But Seventh Heaven's not to be sniffed at at all. You've just got a more limited range of reverbs to play with. But what I, I've always liked about reverbs, some reverbs over others, is I, I'm, I'm quite tweaky uh, and I avoid presets in most things in audio apart from reverb, where I just I, I want a limited set of things to play with, and he's got it just about right for me. And yeah, if you haven't tried them, they are amazing. I mean, they they really do sound. It's not often that. I mean, reverb, you know, and most reverbs are pretty good, apart from some which which really aren't. But there's not many of those around anymore. And I installed it, ran something into it, and just went, "Oh, hello." And uh, yeah, and kind of is lost it as good as Deverb? Is it as good as Deverb? It doesn't. Or, or, do... the gra- or is it as good as the Great British Spring? Let's ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> It's nearly as good as a Yamaha SPX90. Oh, there oh, we go. God, 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 I won't have a word said against those. I really won't. <laughs> no, it's great. If you, if you haven't tried it, just do, because they're great. They are absolutely spot on. Al, what's your find of the week? Uh, it's um, Pro Tools Control on Android. 
which is fantastic. Um, it's great that they're uh, helping um, people choose what tablet they're using now uh, for Pro Tools control. Um, in terms of if you were to set up uh, a setup like I mentioned earlier, the um, 4S ones and a dock, um, that would half the cost of your um, tablets uh, because you can pick up a 1080 HD equivalent of an iPad. I'm not sure what the number is nowadays, um, but uh, they, they come in at about 300 pounds. Uh, for 150 pounds, you can find you can get a similar spec Android. And the other thing is also that um, you really need to do this. I think Avid are long overdue doing this because when you put your iPad in your dock or if you mount it on top of your S1, it stays there. And it stays there with just Pro Control open. And Pro Control really doesn't tax any kind of modern yeah, yeah. iPad. That's a good idea, yeah. So it's a complete waste, really, to buy... If you, you know, bought to an buy iPad a super-powered iPad that could cost you a grand in some cases, yeah, couldn't it? Yeah, an iPad you... Pro on a dock is, in my opinion, a huge waste because you were never going to use it for anything else. And the the <laughs> the, the ridiculous thing is, I mean, I took my... I, I Last week I was um, uh, on a curious adventure. I was um, glamping in a campsite on the outskirts of London and working on the... Uh, while working in the centre of London uh, on um, uh, a lovely documentary, which you'll hear about at some point soon. Um, and... Uh, I had to take my mobile rig with me and I took my iPad with me out of the dock. And I came back last week and um, I still have not unpacked the charger for my iPad. So my iPad is now currently dead in my dock. So um, that's a, such a pain in the ass to have to connect everything back up and thread it back through the dock and everything like that, that I'd much rather have a cheaper one that just stays there and sits there. And uh, now yeah, Avid have, have delivered that, so that's brilliant. That's good. Because you can you can get you can you can get Android tablets for a hundred quid, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because lots of parents use them for their kids, which makes sense. Why well, give your kid a five hundred pound iPad? Absolutely. And my daughter's got an iPad simply because it was the old one in the house, and so she's don't still give using the, it. Don't give the sound engineers a five hundred pound iPad. Yeah. yeah, basically. What about you, Russ? What's yours? Uh, mine, I think I might have mentioned this before, but I'm bringing it up again. It's Clean My Mac, which is a fantastic application. Remember at the start of this, we talked about that I, when I had a smaller hard drive that, that, that I'd always have to do quite a lot of housekeeping. And the great thing about Clean My Mac is it just goes through your Mac uh, as often as you want it to. And I, I tend to do it daily. And I'm slightly OCD. I don't like stuff on my, I don't like, I can't stand people's desktops being like, like a thousand things on their oh. desktop. So I have a very clean desktop. It's virtually just the hard drives on my machine. Uh, and I also don't like thinking there's trash cans full of stuff and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's just, it's just brilliant at a cleaning, just the general stuff. Second, it's got a great remove applications thing mm, and it's yeah. smart as well. So if you drag stuff to your trash can, it says that's an application. Do you want me to clean up behind you kind of thing? Yeah, that's nice. It's like having a mom on your Mac. Uh, I found and it, it's the only tool that can properly install, uninstall Pro Tools on a Mac. Yeah. actually properly get rid of absolutely everything uh, that's yeah. embedded down in the, in the, in the depths there. It's, it's a brilliant application for Mac users, definitely. It is for Mac users if you're using it. There's a, there's a link there this week as well. One of the cool things as well in the uninstaller, that I don't know if you, or if, I think it's in the extensions section, Al, don't know if you knew about this, is that uh, you can look at plugins on there Excellent. and add and remove plugins from there as well. Uh, 
So, so that's that's pretty good. And there's an update built into it now, so it, it ch- tells you what your which apps are out of date, and it will update them for you as well, which is really good. So there's lots and lots of different things. Uh, in fact, it's offering me Mojave tonight, ten fourteen five. So there's a new. According to this, it tells me all the things that are that, wherever they've come from. Uh, does malware removal? iTunes junk. Well, iTunes is junk. So if I had my way, it would just remove it. Uh, mail junk. You know, it's, you, you don't realize it sometimes <clears throat> that your mail folder is full of attachments that could be several thousand attachments in there. So it's, it, I can't, I can't uh, recommend it highly enough, but there will have, we'll, there's a link there this week for you to try. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, lots of utilities this week and a reverb. There we go. So uh, go and check them out. Uh, and that's it. So it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good night.